Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to Dangerous Rhetoric. This is episode five. Uh, I'm Brentley. I'm Dan. And today we are going to talk about a whole mishmash of different things, mostly focusing on the social unrest happening and around the, the world. The racial tensions going on right now. A lot of racial tension right now. Uh, we'll talk about the Chauvin trial. We'll talk about Micaiah Bryant. We're going to talk about the encroachment of critical race theory mm -hmm. into our schools and education how system. Yeah. Coming after the minds of the youngest and those who can't really think for themselves yep. or even, you know, uh, present counter arguments. So let's just get right into it. Uh, first story, kick it, Brent, is Miss Micaiah Bryant. Yeah, so everyone's talking about this. Um, it, it, the reason everybody is talking about it, too, is because the media is blowing it grossly out of proportion and because a lot of people were falsely reporting that Micaiah was unarmed when she was shot by police, which was not true. She was wielding a knife going after another girl. Let's read through this story real quick. Mother of 16-year-old at Columbus, Ohio girl who was shot by police said in a tearful interview that her loving and peaceful daughter called the cops for protection not to be a homicide. Kaya Bryant was fatally shot after family said she called police to report a girl's fighting at about 4.30 p.m. Tuesday. Today is Friday, 4.23. Uh, shortly, before, uh, shortly before, former Minneapolis cop Derek Chauvin was found guilty of murdering Floyd. So the timing of this was very important. They were waiting for the verdict. The verdict came, you know, moments after this event. So everybody's already feeling the strong, you know, racial resentment and a lot of attitude. Yeah, emotions were high. Emotions were high, and video released by police shows the officer encountering a teen who appears to be armed with a knife and chasing another girl who falls in front of a cop. Here's a still from it. I have the actual video pulled up. Uh, we can play a little bit of it if I can just quite find where he plays it. Just to give you guys the video for your own selves. That was after. Let's back up. So the cop gets out of the car. Pink girl is the one that's about to be stabbed. Girl on the ground is Micaiah. She throws her, pushes her, shots her. Real quick. Very quick. Let's see it again. Excuse me, 37, 3170, their hands on them. And arrive at. Okay, okay. You know what? Hold on. I can slow this down for you guys, too. Uh, playback speed. Let's do half speed. And I'll mute it because the sound is weird. So, pink girl is the one that's about to be stabbed. Here you can see Micaiah coming forward, shoves this girl on the ground. And then this, this gentleman here uh, is with her, I suppose, and he ends up kicking her in a moment. Boom! Right there. You saw that? And over here, now, Micaiah is charging forward, coming after this pink girl who's holding a small dog, uh, pulls the knife out and is about to stab her. You can see the knife right here when the officer fires and she falls to the ground. Yeah. He saved that woman. Yeah, it's, it's, and the, the poor dog is just like, I don't know what the heck is <laughs> going on. And this gentleman here is the one that just kicked the girl on the ground, is like, you, you just shot a kid. You just shot a kid. Dude, you were kicking a kid, like, not. Three second, not even a second ago. Craziness, absolutely insane. Yeah. So uh, Seth Seth Dillon of uh, the Babylon Bee, he posted this earlier. I just wanted to read this tweet real quick, but he said, "If you were soulless, 
and evil and bent on creating as much hatred, division, violence, and death as possible, you'd run the mainstream media exactly as it's being run right now. And he retweets this tweet by a peace promoter, Poso, Jack Poso, who said, NBC really edited the 9-11 call and video to take out any reference to the knife. Think about that, guys. Let that sink in. Yeah, so people are evil, man. The media is evil. Like they're anything for ratings, ratings to create more chaos. It's just it's insane. They will alter a story just to fit a particular narrative so they can create more chaos. And it's they need to be held accountable, man. Like James O'Keefe, come for NBC, man. <laughs> come for NBC, man. Get them all with NBC. I want to see you expose them. It's an article on the subject, NBC deceptively edits 911 call and body camera video of police shooting to conceal teen-wielding knife. <sighs> NBC Nightly News dece deceptively edited the, the video and the audio to remove, to conceal the, the teenage girl who yeah. was shot and killed. Like, you you can't make this shit up, man. It's like, how do people not realize that we are being manipulated to, to claw at each other, to fight each other, to... to it's just it breaks my heart man it's really insane you know i i hate to see people this this vehement towards each other but it's it's being manufactured you know and it's not sure there's racism in this country still and it does have to be dealt with but the media and these these fucking crooks in power sorry i cursed but they're making it worse they're pouring fuel on the fire and all of it to distract us from rising up i think against the lockdown mandates and the covid mandates so yeah i said it yeah, it's very. I can't. I, I didn't know that they had did this. I just yeah. found this out today. Yeah. Well, like while you were now, <laughs> while you were uh, while we were going through that first story, I just remembered. I remembered it, so I was like, "Oh, let me pull that up really quick." So I was here, like, trying to find it while you were talking. So the reaction to this naturally has been massive protests of everywhere. The facts don't matter anymore um, to BLM. This was in support of Micaiah Bryant, <laughs> the knife wielding team. They're clapping. It's just, it, this is insane, man. Like, oh, hold on. I didn't, oops. Sorry. Insane. Like, yeah, I think they get, they get the picture right. It's just, yeah, you know, we're not against protests. We think there are, there are always legitimate reasons to protest. There's nothing wrong with that at all. But why are you protesting for a woman who tried to stab someone else, I don't understand, man. It's it boggles my mind. You're you're not helping your cause. You're not fighting racism by doing this. You're you're creating more chaos. You're creating more chaos. That officer, sorry, saved the other woman. Period. Period. And if someone was running at me with a knife, I would want someone to shoot that person too. Sorry. Sorry. I mean, there's nothing to be sorry there's about. There's nothing to be sorry about, so it's like, I'm, it's sad that I even have to po apologize because people are going to come freaking cancel me, but it's just like, this shit makes me mad, man. Well, I was having a discussion on Twitter with somebody who I, I think was not really engaging in good faith, but nevertheless, we were talking about when violence is acceptable, and my line is violence is only acceptable as a last resort in order to defend yourself or someone else. And that means that somebody is aggressing, using violence, and the only way to stop them is with, with equivalent force, or as little force as is necessary. Now, people are arguing that Micaiah Bryant could be stopped with a taser, could have this, could have that, nope, could have nope, whatever. Nope. And all of this is a lot of 2020 hindsight speculation. Yes. Uh, it's kind of insulting. You know, first of all, tasers don't work all the time. Second yeah. of all, like it's one thing to sort of sit there and speculate in yeah. hindsight what could have been done. 
but it's quite another to actually be in the situation and to be confronted yeah. with physical violence and to have to make that split second it's, decision. It's easy to say what you would do when you've never been in these situations. And look, I'm guilty of that. I used to criticize the cops all the time in certain cases. And it's not that we don't think people shouldn't criticize the cops or help hold them accountable when they actually do something wrong. But in this case, that cop didn't do anything wrong. He did his job correctly. I'm going to read one more thing. It's a quote by Thomas Saul. He posted on his Instagram the other day. He said, There should be a special contempt for those who sit in safety and comfort, second-guessing at their leisure the split-second decisions that policemen had to make at the risk of their own lives. Yeah, it's... Just saying, man. It's, it's a good point. Um, and then we had some interesting... Uh, some further outbreaks of violence. I'm just going to go People through a couple nuts, stories People just to demonstrate nuts. what's happening. Um, this was in New York. This is from April 22nd. This was like basically the story was updated yesterday. Uh, a woman yeah, allegedly executed. I don't know why they used allegedly because yeah. no, there is no alleged the video it's here. Quite clear that was execution style. <clears throat> she it's runs chilling. up. Uh, I got it up. Yeah, I got it up. So he, she runs up behind her. And pulls a gun and pops her in the back of the head. Now, they caught this woman. She will be facing charges and such. But, you know, this was just in Park Slope in Brooklyn in the middle of the day. Yeah. Look, it's, it's going to show there are consequences, man, when you demoralize police, when you defund police, when you create a sort of environment where the cops now, I guess, feel, you know, scared almost to, like, do their job and enforce the law. But not only that it emboldens criminals it makes criminals feel it's easier to get away with something and we've seen that man there's been an exponential rise in crime in minneapolis in new york city in chicago in los angeles yeah crime is all major everywhere. cities uh and it's probably one part lockdowns and one part it's all of that um yeah. you know one part the racial tension, uh, the police demoralization, criminals feeling emboldened. It's it's all that stuff, man. Locking things down, uh, the unemployment. You know, it's why I think the protests are so widespread, too. So many people are out of jobs right now. So then this story also comes from yesterday. This is a another knife-wielding man who was shot by police. Just to give you the video so you all can judge for yourselves. I like people to think for themselves. Was this story recent? Yeah, this is from yesterday. Yeah. Well, was the video from, dropped, but what's the, the story recent? is from yesterday. The shooting was back in March. Okay. This so, is when the body camera footage was just released and people are protesting because this guy is an African-American gentleman. He was homeless, uh, probably mentally ill or suffering from mental illness. Okay. I mean, and that's sad. He but... was throwing rocks at cars that were driving by. And so somebody called the police. And, you know, this officer was coming over to address him for, you know, basically breaking the law, breaking the law, <laughs> like throwing rocks at cars. Like, you can't do that. That might cause an accident. Yeah. Like, it's dangerous. Sure, there are unjust laws, but there are certain laws that you need in place. So here, you know, he <laughs> comes over, he addresses this guy walking up to him and he stops in the middle of the street to have a conversation with an officer yeah. and he was like what you know touch me if you touch me see what happens and then he gets basically. up to him and he pulls out pulls the, knife. the knife out and then you know he's backing up and then he stops he pulls the gun and then he moves towards the cop which yep. is when he fires yeah. and you know when you look at the body cam footage just from the point of view of the body cam 
the guy looks further away from the cop than he actually is. Yeah, I believe But if you pull up this other video, which Brent's going to pull up now, you can see that the cop was very close to this guy. Very close. Definitely close enough for this guy to step forward, reach out, and, and to stab him. Where is the other? Uh, yeah, where was it? Uh, I thought it was here. They yeah, I slices saw, here. We saw it the other day. I can't find it now. Did they remove it? It's just not here. But this is like, this is a view from it but you could see that they were very close they were close uh and then you know he pulled the knife and moved towards took one step towards and that's all it takes you I know mean, you, you threaten say, a cop with a knife what do you say to a case like this man it's just like dude you you pulled out a weapon on a police officer and you threatened him like what do you expect is going to happen like we know there are cases that are unjust we know that it happens there are certain things when when cops are in the wrong this is not one of those things the 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 case of the woman stabbing the other woman is not one of those things these are not the hills to die on and if you're out there protesting in support of these criminals you're you're doing a disservice to your movement you're not helping black people you're not you're not you're creating and perpetuating this victim this victimology narrative that cops are out there hunting everyone down and are there a couple racist cops i'm sure there are i'm sure there are is, is the police history sort of rooted in in racism yeah you go back further far enough yes it is but we are talking about now you know now in 2021 it is not this widespread thing that the media wants you to believe it is they're hyping you up they want you to be scared they want you to think that it's as bad as they say it is it's not man these are legitimate shootings. Sorry. You know what? Fuck it. Not sorry. Legitimate shooting. <laughs> stop apologizing. Yeah, I gotta stop apologizing. But like, you get so used to it when you're dealing with this, these type of people because they're constantly looking for anything you say to, to pick it out and to then accuse you of racism. So this was another story. This is, again, you know, Oregon has been sort of the epicenter a lot of a lot of this uh, protest and social arrest, riots. You know, it's been going on since last summer. It's been basically nonstop. You know, there have been brief lulls in the craziness. But again, this was a white guy, actually, who was mentally ill, running around with a shirt off. And so they stopped protesting, right? Uh, well, I couldn't find that part. You know, I heard that on Timmy Pool, but I'm not. Sh I, I couldn't find that details. But we trust him. Anyway, they arrested four people after declaring a riot Friday night when protesters smashed windows, burglarized businesses, and yes. set multiple fires during demonstrations. Totally helps your cause. Uh, that started after police fatally shot a man while responding to reports with a person with a gun. Police said they dispersed the clouds so the firefighting crews could douse the fires before they spread. The vandalism downtown came after a police shooting. Um, doo -doo 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 -doo. There were already vigils and demonstrations planned that night in the name of people killed in police shootings nationwide, including Adam Toledo and Dante Wright. Yeah. Again, uh, Adam Toledo. Well, it, I, I did it. It's Brentley video yeah. on on both of these gentlemen. It's and sad. It's unfortunate, but it it speaks to other issues. You know, gang violence, um, failure of parenting, lack of fatherlessness in the house, but. Did he throw his hands up? Yes. 0.8 seconds after the cop saw a gun in his hand that he dropped. Um, the cop doesn't know in that split-second moment whether or not the kid's turning toward him to shoot or dropping it. You, you can't. You, no one reacts that fast. The cop is going to try to defend themselves and to not get hurt. And Fortunately, the kid died. It sucks, but this is what happens. Why are you running around at 2 a.m. with a gun? Where, where are your parents? Gang violence. 
Well, in Adam Toledo's case, they had no father figure, and he was living with his mother and grandfather, and he had been missing for days prior to uh, his his death, and was uh, running around with a 21-year-old, uh, his, his name was, I can't remember, Roman something. Who cares? His name's and, not even important. Yeah, so he dropped, he was... He had a gun, dropped it 0.8 seconds before, uh, while in, the, in a spinning motion, you know, you can even see in the video, he sort of pulls it out from behind his back, and in the, in the point where he pulls it out and drops it as he's spinning yeah. around. You know who killed that kid? That 21-year-old gang member that he was freaking running around with who put that gun in his hands. That's who killed that kid. Sorry, but no, no, I gotta stop fucking saying that. Not sorry. It's sad. It's, it's, it, it upsets me. But at the same time, like, why are you out there protesting against the cops in a situation like this when it's it's not a clear cut thing that that cop was in the wrong, man? It's just not. And then, uh, yeah, so people were planning protests around those two uh, shooting deaths, and there was a, another shooting death of a white man in his 30s, and he was pronounced dead at the park. And while the officers were trying to get their investigation, you know, trying to preserve evidence. It was hampered by a crowd of fairly aggressive people who showed up at the park within two hours of the shooting. Wow. Um, so, like, yeah, they were basically making it so that they the cops couldn't do their job. They had to, you know, a good number of the police had to crowd control instead of actually, you know, do their, their investigation. And uh, it, that's what it kind of gets, gets in a problem when people, they're inter interrupting the police and trying to prevent them from doing their work. And, you know... Mental illness is a huge problem. Like it is, and it's sort of the underlying current in a lot of these shootings. You know, we have police that aren't really trained to handle the mentally ill. Um, you know, and they're instead of given like a you know, you know, four years of blue, black belt training and different martial arts. You know, instead of given you know riot shields or perhaps you know some sort of shields that they can use to sort of you know crunch the person or you know you know in order to disable them without mm -hmm. actually killing them. They, they don't have that training. You know, cops are trained yeah. for like less than a year. They get like a three or six month program in a lot of places. They aren't trained to handle it. Yeah. They don't have the hand-to-hand -hand combat training that they really should need. Um, you know, cops should be more like Marines well, in my opinion. One of the things too I see from the defund the police crowd is that they need to put that funding into social workers and send social workers out to deal with these people. And there's some merit to that idea, but at the end of the day, just like the police aren't trained in, in social work, social workers aren't trained to deal with violent people. And if you think that they wouldn't get violent with a social worker, you haven't dealt with very many mentally ill people. Perhaps, though, what we could have is social workers who work for the police force and are staffed with the police. And when incidents like this happen or when there's a particular person, right, a call is made and it's clear that that person has a mental issue, the cop is sent out with a social worker. The social worker can try to talk them down. And if it gets violent, you have the cop there to protect them. But don't don't pretend that you can just pull funding from the police and then fund it all into social work and that somehow social workers are going to be able to stop violent, mentally ill people from being erratic. It, it's just, it's a pipe dream, man. It's, it's not realistic. It lacks nuance. So uh, a couple other stories. Um, you know, these protests are dangerous and violent. And in many cases, they become riots. Yeah. And the media does not want to, 
to paint them in that they don't want to characterize them that way because they're encouraging them it's interesting too because normally like protests on the left historically have kind of been demonized and even when they were peaceful they they would focus on the violent elements and we, we see that you know but that right now doesn't fit the current narrative and agenda that's trying to be pushed by the media so rather than you know downplay the peaceful they're downplaying the violence instead and it's, it's like they switched it man it's crazy so and just to give you guys an idea this was from june of 2020 uh and so before really the summer of rioting before yeah. almost a year this, ago almost a year ago um and this article from voa news covers dozens of individuals who were killed um during protests so it's it's now like the protests are resulting in more deaths substantially more deaths deaths than what happened on dc in dc on the six just saying and this is all over the country omaha nebraska detroit chicago and where are you guys why aren't you talking uh, about minneapolis it? indianapolis oakland california louisville kentucky so it, it and again this is just a snapshot this is yeah. very brief people are so quick to you know criticize trumpers when they do something stupid or, or you know that seems aggressive but they are totally silent those people when it's happening on their side they don't say anything about it because they view it as like oh well it's gonna make the black lives matter movement look bad or or they just they want to look nice and and maintain their reputation with their friends and family they don't want to be accused of being a racist or this or that but it's like dude call this shit out if you really want the black lives matter movement to be a legitimate movement that's going to help people of color you're not helping by excusing this behavior by it trying to oh it's the language of the unheard and all that stuff yeah martin luther king martin luther king said that but he didn't mean that you should keep doing it that's not what he meant so a couple other stories for you all i love to bring you actual raw data so that you can make your own determinations um, a, a big part of this issue is criminal behavior and uh, violent behavior specifically within the african-american community now immediately as soon as you bring that up you get lambasted with accusations mm -hmm. of racism yeah. let me read this real quick though before you get into that this okay. is a larry elder quote he posted on his show um on his instagram he said those who quote martin luther king's a riot is the language of the unheard omit two things he added riots are quote socially destructive and self-defeating unquote and he said it in the 60s now nearly every big city has or has had black mayors police department chiefs and council presidents who's not listening really who's not listening here because it's certainly not us yes he said that language of the unheard it is important people do feel frustrated why doesn't that argument also apply to say trump supporters who feel that that election wasn't unfair right who feel they're not being heard when they're being canceled canceled left and right off of all big tech social media for questioning any of this stuff questioning the lockdowns maybe they were frustrated too maybe that's why they behaved in the way they behaved these people are so quick to use that argument and that excuse when it comes to defending their side, defending Black Lives Matter, but will turn around and condemn Trump supporters for one incident that, that became destructive. One incident. After months and months of this stuff from Black Lives Matter, from Antifa, from radical leftists. Make it make sense. It's hypocritical. Yeah, and there was Be consistent. some interesting, along with the, uh, you know, this is Larry Elder's Instagram. As you can see, folks, he is an African-American gentleman. Um, 
He's very smart. He's a very smart guy. I a mean, lot of good wit he's here. Con- he's conservative, although pe- he doesn't call himself that. He considers himself a libertarian. Um, he even Al said Sharpton, the founders were more libertarian. If you don't know who Al Sharpton is, yeah. he's a uh, classic race grifter. He's been making money off of the... Uh, off of pushing this, you know, institutional racism. Yeah, the race hustlers. All white people are bad. They profit off of black pain, and they want more of it because it makes them money. It gives them something to talk about. So I love to give a shout out to independent African American voices who don't get heard yeah. very often yeah. uh, because uh, they don't. Kambi, we love her. Yeah, Aisha Kambi is another. Coleman Hughes, we love him too. Uh, Colin Noir. Um, Christian Walker, Christian he's Walker, fiery mouth on him. Candace you know? Owens, like you know, a lot of people that just because they're conservative, you know, just because they point out that there is a problem with violence within the African American community. Um, I just hate that it's now considered conservative to want to be an independent thinker, to not want to view oneself as a victim, and to want to lift oneself out of their terrible circumstances by hard work and discipline. Why is that now a conservative perspective? It's crazy. Uh, so this is from the U.S. DOJ, the Department of Justice, Race and Ethnicity of Violent Crime and Offenders and Arrestees 2008. So this was like the most recent thing that I could find data for that was actually, you know, like good data. What journal is this from? Uh, it's from Statistical Brief. Or it's just, it's a, it's just a, oh, the Bureau of, of Justice, Justice, Bureau of Justice Statistics. Office of Justice Programs, Bureau of Justice Statistics. It was published in January of this year. Um... And it shows the statistics of, uh, you know, how many offenders and their race broken down by percentages. Because one thing that the race hustler crowd, the race grifter crowd, the BLM crowd love to bring up is the fact that black people are disproportionately suffering uh, at the hands of the police. Well, they are also disproportionately being represented in violent criminal offenses. So they're more likely to interact with the police because of that. Yeah, well, that's the... Kind of obvious. Crazy, you have to point it out, though. So here it just shows white people are, you know, as of July 1st, 2018, we're about 60% of the population. Black people are about 12.5%. And they are arrested for, uh, you know, nonviolent, uh, non-fatal, sorry, non-fatal violent crimes. This, this is just non-fatal crimes. Yeah. This is not murders. Not murders. So black people are represented about 30%, uh, 33% of arrestees. White people are about 46%. Yeah. So it's higher for white people, but there is substantially more of them in the country, so it makes sense. Um, and then non-fatal violent crimes excluding uh, other assaults. So this is like robberies, breaking and entering, mm-hmm. you know, things that are, aren't necessarily like where you violently are attacking another person. Yeah. Uh, black folk are represented about 36%. White people are about 38.7%. So they're very close. Even Hispanic, though, 21. You know, even though black people make up 12.5%. Like, yeah. So... Uh, so it's just it, people don't like when you point out these statistics. They're, and yes, there are counter arguments to yeah. this kind of stuff. Of course, and there, you know there are systemic <laughs> things that are put in place. I think that have historically put black people in particular situations where yes, they get confined to ghettos, and there's a certain culture in those places. And once you're embroiled in it, it's hard to get out. You know, there's limited opportunities and. All those things, yes, should be addressed. You know, the the prison system, using you know people for cheap labor in the prison system. Those are all important issues to talk about. 
but we need to stop perpetuating this this narrative that that somehow all black people are victims of this incredibly racist system that is now worse than it's ever been before it's just simply not true things aren't worse than they've ever been before the media is painting that narrative if you go out on the street and you just talk to everyday people you would realize that it's it's people aren't as racist out there as you think they are it's just simply it, it's put in our heads they want us to think it's worse than it is yeah we're in the middle of a psychological war a psychological we are being war. bombarded it, it's it's almost like it's frowned upon now to acknowledge any progress we've made you know acknowledging like wow look how far we've come look at you know the 13th amendment look at the laws that we've passed and look at how you know how how much has changed in the last just 50 years you know it's it's frowned upon to to be positive like <laughs> it's insane I saw an interesting meme video where Joe Biden, Joe Biden's speech recently, where he said no amendment was uh, was absolute yeah. because he was talking about the Second Amendment yeah. after a shooting. Yep. And a African American woman had taken his audio and posted it, and it's like her face on a TikTok video, and she's got these little things of like the Thirteenth Amendment scrolling past while Joe Biden <laughs> is saying that no amendment is absolute, and yeah. she plays previous audio <laughs> from Joe Biden in like the the eighties and early nineties where he's saying we'll put them we'll put them back in chains. Uh, you know, and all this kind of stuff, and it's just like you know, it's yeah. very kind of sketchy because if you're saying no amendment is absolute, then what about our First Amendment protections? What about our you know Second Amendment protections? Of what course, about as voters, Fourth and Third voters aren't saying anything about that stuff. You know, very silent on all of that, very quiet. So in this we table, see, though, this table is just a summary uh, of the overall picture. You know, again, showing black people to 12.5 uh, percent offenders in non-fatal violent crimes, and about 30 percent non uh, serious non-fatal violent crimes in about 36 percent rape and assault 22 percent robbery 51 percent aggravated assault 34 percent and simple assault 24 percent so the the robbery thing too is interesting because again a lot of people of color are you know confined to lower income areas and, and a multitude of reasons for that but you know where there is more poverty there is more desperation there is and more, more crime. crime and just as what it is you know you go to white ghettos in the south you're gonna find white on white crime amongst all the white people living with each other in desperation and then committing crimes against each other it's it's not racist to say that it's just simple demographics <laughs> and then there's an interesting uh you know interesting details that come from when you look at homicide uh, this is an older story from 2016, but it demonstrates primarily that murder is an intra-racial crime. That means yeah. that murderers and their victims are more often than not members of the same yes. race. Which goes back to the point I said, because they tend to live together in communities. It's, you know, if you, I'm sure if you go to Chinatown, you look at crime statistics in Chinatown, most of the crimes by Chinese will probably be against other Chinese. You know? um, so it shows... The offending rate for blacks showed a similar pattern to victimization rate, peaking in the early 1990s at a high of 51.1 offenders per 100,000 persons in 91. Uh, the rates fluctuated since then, and uh, basically to summarize the data, the, uh, they revealed that both the offending rate and victimization rate for blacks are six times greater than that for white people. Uh, moreover, this pattern is not new. Staggering racial disparity in homicide rates is due to the fact that blacks are so grossly overrepresented in both victims and offenders. And it bears repeating that homicide is overwhelmingly an intra-racial crime. According to statistical data, the most likely victim and perpetrator of murder in the U.S. is a young black male, approximately 21 years of age. 
Thus, incredibly, the same individual could be either either victim or offender in the most likely murder scenario. Yes, but the problem is white supremacy, guys. Well, and again, we are in the midst of a psychological a psych war. war. We are being bombarded by lies from yeah. the media establishment in order to incite and inflame yeah. tensions. To divide us. Much like how COVID causes uh, extra inflammatory symptoms of that, that damage the body, the media is causing extra inflammation that doesn't address the problem and instead makes the situation much, much worse, resulting I, in more damage and more death. I think one of the reasons for it, too, is they're trying to distract us from rising up against the true thing they don't want us to rise up for which are the lockdown mandates, the mask mandates, the vax passports, all that stuff. Like, if you look in Germany right now, the people of Germany are rising up. I was going to get to that. Yeah, but I'm just, you know, bringing up an example, like, and in Canada, they just sent a freaking SOS across the, the U.S. border to us. Like, they're basically living in a police state now. And I was going to get to that, too. Yeah. But, you know, I'm just trying to make the point that in other nations, those people who are, who are rising up and protesting right now, most of them are protesting against the lockdowns. They're not protesting over racial issues, and I think the media here wants to keep the lens on that. They want everyone out on the streets protesting this, so they're not protesting that. Um, so just to give you guys some more examples of crime that deserves to be talked about, a seven-year-old girl killed outside of a McDonald's in Chicago in what looks like yeah. to be gang-related violence. Uh, some men got out of a car and shot up another car. I saw the footage. It, it was... So, well, I saw the aftermath footage. And um, they, got, they got out of a gray car and just went up to this guy. They went up to the father's car and just started shooting into it. And the girl was hit multiple times, and she ended up dead. Damn. Um, yeah, I, in the video, too, one of the guys, uh, someone, like, cries out in pain. He's like, oh, man, it's a little girl, man. They shot a baby. And it's just like, dude, this is what's happening in the communities in Chicago. And it's like... Why isn't this issue addressed, man? Uh, Where's Maxine Waters? Yeah, so, yeah, she's not talking about that. <laughs> Nothing. Silence. You yeah. know, you're over here, get confrontational over, over a, you know, a shooting of someone, say, who was a freaking criminal. But when, when this happens, a seven-year-old little black girl dies in, in a drive-by. Why isn't this issue mm -hmm. being addressed? Like, look at that beautiful little girl, man. Uh, like, it makes me want to fucking cry. I she can't. was shot six times. Uh... Details were not diverged. Um, the last thing she said was "Daddy" in a panicked voice. See my daughter faced on a car. I'll never forget. All I my daughter's can't, dude. Up. And police believe it was to be gang-related. Less than three hours later, two people were shot in a car at a Popeyes in Humboldt Park, which investigators believe was connected to the McDonald's shooting. Uh, but Adams doesn't believe that it's important. He demanded justice for his daughter. It's insane, man. It's like the cultural thing here needs to be addressed. Like you know, like. For example, a lot of hip-hop rap music, which I like some hip-hop and rap music. I like quite a bit of it, too. But we need to stop giving attention and money and, and praise to these rappers mm -hmm. who glorify this shit, who glorify gang lifestyle, who glorify hustling, who glorify gangbanging. There's nothing glorious about it. There, there's nothing cool about it. It's just, it's fucked up, dude. It's fucked. And, you know, that's, this is not the problem, according to the mainstream media. The problem is, quote-unquote, white supremacy. And, you know, it, it, there's this, this constant uh, aura of if anybody dares discuss, you know, crime within the black community immediately, labeled with racist, labeled with bigot, 
and it, it makes it so that you can't talk about it. And it's again, insane, it's, right? it goes back to that problem of inflaming the problem without addressing it, without, without offering solutions, and it makes things worse, not better. And until we can get past that, until we can have a reasonable conversation about crime, about gang crime, especially within the African-American community things in Chicago and other places, things can't get better. Because yeah. much, in much the same way your immune system has to be able to get in to address an attacking virus or bacteria, you can't do it if there's too much inflammation on scene and the inflammation just ends up causing random damage to healthy tissue. Um, you know, and this, this happened not too long ago where these two teen girls carjacked an Uber Eats driver. You know, I think his name was Muhammad Anwar. Yeah, he was 66 years old. The two girls were 13 and 15. So again, we see the, the youth, you know, much like Adam Toledo running around with a gun. Yeah. We have these two girls here that carjacked this where guy with a taser man? and, you know, ended up tasing him while he was driving and, and he, was, he was killed. What's really sickening about this, though, is they they were you know after the car crashed one of them was like oh our phone is still in the car like they just killed a man and they're worried about getting their phone out of the car like which really shows the level of entitlement this this devaluation of human life that we're seeing from people who commit these crimes and you know you can't talk about these things you can't talk about african-american violence or violence within the african-american community or what the culture is especially in these cities where what's causing these young people to get involved with violent crime and, and what what's the root source of it it's a vicious cycle man and when you get into it when you do the research when you do you know dig down into the data what you find frequently is that violent offenders especially those who commit crimes again and again these have high rates of recidivism is what the word is they have no strong father figure in the home yeah. they usually come from single parent homes uh, with low income yeah. you know financially strapped and this is the root of the problem yeah. that we don't have enough strong but what's the root homes. of that problem you know and this is this is one of the criticisms that we hear from the more black conservative perspective and people like thomas Sowell who are economists and you know they find statistically there is a correlation between an increase in the welfare state and an increase of fatherlessness in the homes because the woman becomes more dependent upon the state and it becomes easier to disengage from a father figure and to no longer need them when you can get a handout from the government. And look, I'm saying this and I'm not saying this in the way where I'm saying we should eliminate all welfare. I am a child of the welfare state. My mom has cerebral palsy. She needed that money. There are people who legitimately can't work who legitimately do need some help from the state sometimes and i think if we're living in in a prosperous society we we should want to help those most vulnerable people but we can't create a system where incentive you know where there where we de-incentivize people to lift themselves out of their impoverished conditions because they're afraid of losing that handout from the government it's it's exacerbating the issue and there is a correlation there you know there is a correlation there, and I think it does need to be addressed. So, and Along with violence in the African-American community, there's also a lot of racism. And again, racism is a problem across all yeah. racial groups. It doesn't you know, come not, from one direction. It's not just white people. You know, I worked in a laboratory for many years, which had a large percentage of Chinese, uh, Chinese postdocs and Chinese researchers. They were the most racist against this one yeah. Korean girl. They despised her, and I couldn't understand why until you know we were talking. I was talking about it with her, and she like sort of broke down and told me it's because she's Korean, and I I was stunned for a moment because it just 
you know, they, they, they're very close, you yeah. know, in terms of There's been tensions geographic. between Japanese and Chinese for a long, long time. I mean, Again, yeah. Fists of Fury, it's like part of the plot of that movie. Love Bruce Lee. And also there, there's a lot of anti-black racism in China, which you don't hear about because, you know, you can't criticize China yeah. these days. It comes from both ways, you know, and here the story we're about to pull up right now is the racism coming from a black man toward an Asian man, you know? Yeah, so this happened, um, I'm not sure when, March 11th. And this gentleman harassed a uh, Asian American detective who was on scene to sort of monitor a protest. Looks like this was in Union Square, I think. But I'll just let you see, you know, this gentleman. Soy sauce. Very nice. I'll tell you the same thing. I'll tell you to suck a dog. You know I threw a Asian march last week on how they treat y'all dumb motherfuckers. But you put that uniform on and act just like dog food here. And interestingly, I just want to comment, you can see the sclera above his iris. Man. This is a sign of either intoxication out, or mania. Bugged like, out. When people's eyes are open that wide, it means that they are, like, it's very intense. They're experiencing very strong emotional situation or a psychological situation. Yeah. And it's common, again, in patients who are suffering from mania, which is yeah. a excessive agitation. It's like when you're really riled up and you've got a lot of energy. And no matter what you do, you just can't quite get it out. And you're just like, ha, ah. And so these kind of situations can bring that on because tensions are high, emotions are high. People are not thinking. They're just merely experiencing and reacting. But it, it just strikes me. Now this guy is being sued. Can you see right, he says. Look, it, it's, just, it's, it's a good example of the fact that yes, black people can be racists. I, I've heard it from people, from others before that, oh, well, no, black people can't be racist, you know, because it's systemic racism benefits white people and all this shit, trying to change the definition of racism. This was the officer no. involved? No. What that guy did was racist. It was racism directed toward an Asian man. It's not okay. It's not okay. So if you're going to call it out from white people, call it out from others as well. Well, this is, this is also a big Be consistent when it comes to wanting to uh, make positive change in the world. Like there's this phrase that, you know, be the change that you want to see in the world. You know, it starts with you. Yep. And, you know, Michael Jackson had a song called Man in the Mirror where he kind of addressed this, uh, this phenomenon not to like praise Michael Jackson or whatever, but you know, this, this idea that you have to take responsibility for yourself and your actions before you start going out into the world and trying to fix all every, uh, all the problems elsewhere, you know, and a lot, there's a lot of projection happening where people take the worst aspects of their own behavior and their own character that they do not like, they sort of deny them. And then they project them outward so that they can, you know, they actually see yeah. them, but they don't actually have the self-awareness yeah. to see them within yeah. themselves. So and it's like, you know, I'm not actually the racist. You're the racist. That's that's what it becomes. You know, which is, yeah. we see again and again that with this sort of like institutional racism or, you know, and there may have been a lot of institutional racism leading up to now. And, e and even now, and we can talk about that depending on how you want to define institutional racism, because one of the ways that I think that the African-American community, African American community suffered 
uh, from institutional racism was the crack epidemic in the 80s. Yep. And Thanks, after, CIA. after Martin Luther King and Malcolm X, there was a concerted effort to destroy the black family yeah, because they true. were producing these black intellectuals that were riling up the people and demanding yeah. more civil rights. So we can talk about institutional racism, and there are examples of it in that kind of context, but it's not this sort of overarching idea that, you know, everything in the United States is racist all the time. Well, I was, I was having a chat with my uh, old friend from college, Baruti, uh, shout out to Baruti, and, you know, I was talking about the fact that, like, look, Martin Luther King was already being spied on by the FBI and followed for his, you know, civil rights um, actions, and they, they felt very threatened by someone like him. But it wasn't until he organized the people's movement the people's march right to try to unify the races right and toward uh, focusing on issues like class disparities and and war you know the war machine and the vietnam war it wasn't until he was trying to unify people under that cause that the government had him killed right so let that sink in yes he was a threat already to them they were already looking at him, but it wasn't until he started doing that that they decided, all right, this this guy's got to go. You know, we can't allow this to continue. Let that sink in. Um, and then just kind of want to talk about Derek Chauvin a little bit and the verdict. Uh, you know, I made a comment um, on my, I think it was Facebook, because I got banned on Twitter again. Um, <laughs> you can't you can't talk about the the, the dreaded cough the dread cough the the respiratory illness of last year yes. i mean you have to i i don't even like to use the the c-o-v-i-d yeah. word although i did earlier i think i did earlier too yeah, so whatever. it's just because the censors they don't like it but anyway um you know the verdict uh came down you know guilty on all charges you know they overcharged him a lot of people thought and I thought it was a little bit uh, poetic justice. Now, you can say what you want about the trial. I don't think the trial was fair by any stretch of the imagination. Then again, fair. when the police execute somebody in the street without a trial, it's not fair either. Yeah. It's not how things are supposed to go. And you can, you know, there are many situations where police shootings are justified because the individual had a weapon. They we were showed being, some of those earlier. And, you know, that is possible. But there are also many others where, you know, the individual did not pose a threat and they were, you know, mistreated. You know, in the case of George Floyd, he was not posing a threat to officers when he died. You know, he was restrained. Uh, I mean, he, he, was he was definitely, he was acting erratically. I mean, I look, I encourage everyone to go out and watch the full 18-minute video of that confrontation. Okay, don't just watch the clip with the knee. Watched the whole entire thing and how it played out. And they were pretty patient with him at some point. Yes, context does yes, matter. It does matter. But once he was in cuffs, I think. I don't once, really. And once he was on the ground and in cuffs, I think, yes, they could have backed down. There's no reason why he should have been knelt on that long. So I personally think maybe a manslaughter charge could have been reasonable. But all three charges is absurd. They're not even the same charge. How do you charge someone with, with first degree and what is it, second degree? No, that was second and third. Second degree, second, third, third and degree, manslaughter. and manslaughter. Those are all different different situations in which someone dies. How do you get charged with all three? It makes no sense. Well, and I think the reason they charged him with those three different things was because they were they wanted one to stick. Yeah. But the jury was so... Scared. Scared. And they had, there had already been threatened... They had been threatened to be doxxed. Yeah. Uh, you know, the president, had, while they were in deliberations, had said something like, we hope they come back with the right verdict, 
which you know implies there's only one way that that thing can go yeah. and what would have happened if the jury had decided something else it's a mockery of the justice system seriously so i thought it was a little bit of poetic justice now that we see a police officer sort of getting unjustly treated yeah. no yeah i understand that that's how police have unjustly treated other people and you know but in my opinion it's while it's maybe poetic justice at it's not cost? actual justice and at what cost and you know? we're also tolerating mob rule yeah. which is not good in the long run we're basically we're normalizing this we're normalizing that if you want the verdict to go a certain way all you have to do is yell and scream and smash things and burn things and wave your signs and intimidate people and the, the juries will just give you the verdict that you want and is that really the type of country that we want to create you know i i think i think it sets a bad precedent um and i think their actions might even backfire against them you know there's going to be appeals to that verdict because of this and if that if derek chauvin does end up getting off you know it, it it'll be your fault well, first of fault. all he's, he's not going to get off he's, gonna be, he's held in jail now for eight weeks until sentencing we're going to see what the sentencing is. I have a feeling the sentencing will be rather light considering the circumstances. Yeah. Um, and there will be an appeal. Uh, there will be an appeal because Representative Maxine Waters had gotten out there while the trial was ongoing. You can't she, do that. She told people to get confrontational if they, do if they don't get the verdict they want. It's irresponsible. Um, and we see this from, well, we saw from Joe Biden. We saw from a lot of officials. And the jury had not been sequestered. The, the uh, prosecution had requested that the judge sequester the jury multiple times throughout the trial, and uh, they didn't do it. Some of the there was a threatening to dox the jurors, and all this stuff is going to be brought up on appeal. And it is actually a very good grounds to have the uh, charges the charge well the charges is overturned at the very overturned, least. Yeah. And since you know the tensions will have maybe I don't know what's going to happen in the future, but you know this is going to be a long process. Yeah. We're talking months to years. It's not over. And, you know, it, it, it may be overturned in the future when tensions die down. Who knows? Uh, this article comes from Daily Caller. Uh, it's a conservative-leaning website, and it just shows that law enforcement across the nation are celebrating the, the Derek Chauvin verdict. So a lot of more uh, you know, police chiefs in Democrat-held areas are you know, coming up with their, like, thanks to the jurors in this case for their immense responsibility and honorable civic duty. You know, and they're so basically they're praising the fact that they, uh, you know, came out with a guilty verdict, um, and while I guess that's you know good, maybe you know some people are claiming justice has been served. I don't know if I would go that far. Yeah. Um, Same. I don't know if I agree with that. And but these are the things that a lot of people in these positions have to say. They have to sort of like genuflect before the Black Lives Matter yeah, movement in order to calm tensions and prevent more it's riots. It's so absurd, man. It's so absurd. We're, we're handing power over to a mob. It, it's ridiculous. Yeah, so uh, a lot, this was from San Francisco and, you know, a lot, Wisconsin's police chief, Seattle Police Department, a lot of different, you know, officers coming down and saying that, you know, they they thought that it was the right verdict. Yeah. You know, 55% of Republicans uh, and over 80% of people in general agree with yeah. the verdict, according to a USA Today Ipsos poll. Granted, I don't like polling. I think polls are absolute BS in general, but there it is for your consideration. He's, he's a sacrificial lamb. That's basically what this is. And, 
Now, I'm not going to say I necessarily feel bad for Chauvin, but he was definitely used as a sacrificial lamb in this case. Yeah, well, I, yeah. So I, I, I personally, I think that, uh, you know, his, his, the force that he used was excessive. Once somebody is restrained and on the ground, that could have definitely been handled much differently than there. it was. But look, sometimes, sometimes when people are on drugs, their heart rate is hyped up and they're freaking out the way he does. A lot of times those experiences with the cops are like the most intense experiences of that person's life. And it does happen. People do die in police custody in that way. So, yeah. And again, with the, the sort of underlying problem is mental health, addiction. Yeah. Uh, these are things that are sort of left on the wayside yeah. in favor of the more trendy, you know, white supremacist institutional racism and, narrative. And the cultural thing we address, the gangbanging. Like, look, it's sad that George Floyd died, I guess, but... The guy was a criminal, man. It's it, it shouldn't be a racist thing to point out something that is factual. He held a gun to a pregnant woman's stomach. He was charged for that, you know? Armed robbery. Armed robbery. These aren't people that you want to hold up as martyrs or, or paragons of, of virtue because they're not, you know? Address the police issue, but make it a civil liberties issue. I think if, if we focused on police reform as a civil liberties issue instead of making it a racial one, Real reform could have happened, and unity could have happened, but that's not what the media want, that's not what the elite want. They want us all attacking each other, and they want us at each other's throats. Divide and conquer. Yep, and people like LeBron James, fueling that, fueling that. Yes, this was an Doxing article. a cop who did his job correctly. It's insane, dude. So this was an article from the New York Post called Vile Response to the Derek Chauvin Verdict. Um, it's an opinion piece by Miranda Devine. And it talks about LeBron James and AOC specifically. She says, you know, we have to trust the jury got it right. Um, our justice system, you know, is all that stands between us and utter barbarism. You know, it's what allows us not to, you know, have lynch mobs in the streets. Yeah. You know, when it's we important. suspect somebody of a crime, we have flawed we have but important the right to a jury. You know, habeas corpus is very important. And, um, you know, if we were being plagued by systemic racism, as claimed by the president, then Chauvin would not have been found guilty. Uh, in America, whose founding documents declare all men are created equal, which uniquely fought a civil war to end slavery, and which passed the Civil Rights Act to prohibit discrimination on the basis of race, color, religion, sex, or national origin. It's a great failure as a white supremacist nation when you think about it. Yeah. And we've um, improved. Like I said earlier, it's almost frowned upon to acknowledge our progress frowned upon to be positive to say hey look how far we've come things are actually better now divine here ignores numerous cases where officers were either acquitted not charged uh with with crimes where they most obviously did murder someone most famously i think was the uh what's this guy's name was it uh Derek schaefer no that's not right daniel shaver daniel shaver yeah. that's it he was uh you know shot by you know a white white guy shot by a white cop and killed while he was crawling on the ground and you know the cop made the argument that he was reaching for his waistline again i think it was bad police work all around but you know he was killed and uh that got that that, that cop got off no problem um anyway chauvin was in, imprisoned not without his day in court as a lot of loud mouths demanded he was not thrown to mob to be torn limb from limb or boiled to death in a cauldron or slowly dismembered on a torture rack as used to happen in medieval times or, as happens in the Middle East, you know, when you have uh, groups like ISIS being in charge. So he was given a quote-unquote fair trial, no matter how many people decided he was guilty after watching the video showing a peculiar lack of empathy as life ebbed out of Floyd. 
uh, now he'll spend his life in prison. Maybe, maybe not. We'll have to wait and see. Um, but every time a black person is shot by police, no matter the circumstances, they will riot and sue and demand more concessions with menaces. And you know, she goes into talking about Micaiah Bryant, Columbus, Ohio, and the body cam footage showed a raging Bryant lunging at a smaller girl with a knife the moment she was shot. Her death is tragic, just as it seems her life was, sh her life was spent in and out of foster care. So again, we have sort of an epidemic of fatherlessness leading to this culture of violent entitlement, which leads to interactions with police that result in their death. Uh, and, and these are not like, this is not very esoteric or hard to understand, um, you know, and there's a lot of good data to support that this is what happens. And yet this is not what our media is talking about. Uh, it talks about the uh, Benjamin Crump, the ambulance chasing lawyer who extracted $29 million from the taxpayers of Minneapolis for the Floyd family, did what he does best after Tuesday's shooting and issued an inflammatory lie on Twitter claiming Bryant was unarmed. Ridiculous. The Harmony Merchants at the New York Times edited out the unarmed bit sure when they, they first did. reported <laughs> on his remarks. You can't let facts get in the way of the narrative of systemic mm -hmm. racism. And LeBron James, the billionaire China-boosting, race-baiting basketballer, also couldn't wait to demonstrate his fealty yeah. to the downtrodden. One of the most privileged people on the planet, actually. Yeah, so here you can see uh, his tweet, which has now been deleted. Uh, he tweeted out, your next, hashtag accountability, irresponsible. and shared an image of the officer who shot Micaiah Bryant. So irresponsible. And he deleted it afterward, of course, and said, oh, well, I didn't delete it because I was wrong. I deleted it because I was getting attacked for it. Like, no, you know you were wrong. You know it was irresponsible deep down. But will you admit that? You'll, no, you'll double down. Sorry, LeBron James, this is for you. You are not oppressed. Stop. You're not oppressed. You have more money than every single white person, every single person that I know combined will ever see in their entire lifetime. Please stop commenting on these things like you're oppressed. You're not, dude. You're one of the most privileged people on the planet right now. Shut the fuck up. Um, and, you know, there's an industry of untouchable influencers in this country who are devoted to racial division. Uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is one. After the Chauvin verdict, she issued a call to arms to her 8.8 .8 million Instagram followers. I don't want this to be a moment framed as the system working because it's not working, she said. And that's what creates a lot of complexity in this moment. Lying always creates complexity when you refuse to acknowledge the truth that our colorblind justice system worked in this case. She's a grifter. Uh, in Minneapolis, BLM dealt with the complexity by taking credit for pressuring the jury. The only reason we got this conviction is because we showed up an activist bellowed into a megaphone. Admitting it. We have to trust that the jury we have to trust the jury, but the pressure on them was intolerable. There were anti cop riots, stores boarded up, thousands of National Guard personnel and police protecting the courthouse. A severed pig's head was yeah. left on what was presumed to be the house of a defense witness. Although he no longer wow. lived there, the intent was clear. The trial was conducted in such an atmosphere of menace and intimidation that you would think President Biden might have restrained himself from intervening. But no, before the jury not. had returned, <clears throat> before the jury had returned, he told reporters that evidence against Chauvin was overwhelming <laughs> and that he was praying for the right verdict. What if the jurors disagree? What then? Worse were Biden's remarks after the verdict when incredibly he paced 2020's summer of protests and said it unified people of every rest and generation. No, it didn't. More than a dozen people died in the riots last summer. Two billion property damage. Crime across the country. Their lives don't control. matter, Brent. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it it goes on, but I think we can leave it there. Yeah. It's a, it's a, sir. Let's move on to the education system. That's like the last thing I think we should 
talk about, you know? Because uh, we're already pushing an hour. Oh, I thought this was funny. Shout out to the quartering. Lohu and LeBron James is standing against the free Hong Kong movement or doing things to <laughs> certain people's privates. He's being a total moron on social media. Shot and chaser. Yeah. So, yeah, he was apologizing for the People's Republic of China. Race hustlers. Race hustlers. Um, uh, okay, one before thing before we... This was an interesting story from Oklahoma that I thought uh, kind of really gets into the uh, idea of how the, we're, we're kind of experiencing this mob rule. We had a bunch of protesters charge into an Oklahoma, uh, the Oklahoma Congress while they were in session and disrupted proceedings on Republican-backed bills that were uh, designed to protect officers from doxing and to protect motorists who had uh, were trying to escape a riot from being civilly or criminally prosecuted because they injured people who were in the street. So a bunch of protesters came in. They disrupted the session. You know, one might call this an insurrection, as you know, January sixth was referred to, uh, but it's not being called that. Of course, it isn't. And now to get into what they are teaching your kids. Um, this is from Good Morning America. You know, they gave them. This is from June thirtieth, twenty twenty. But they gave them a very nice treatment. Teachers are reinventing Black history and anti-racism are taught in schools. This the system falls short. So Good Morning America doing a very fine treatment, uh, you know, talking about how BLM and, uh, you know, institutional racism is being taught or should be taught to our children. Um, and do you want to talk about Philadelphia? Uh, yeah, I guess. Well, I thought you we want to talk about. I thought we could do uh, the Andrew Gutman story first. Okay. So, you know, a dad wrote a scathing letter to Brearley, which is a school, it's a private school, right, in New York? Yep. Um, about race focus. Um, and he said someone had to. This guy's a brave man. Um, Andrew Gutman's 1,700-word letter on the Brearley school went viral. A father fed up with an elite Manhattan prep school's heavy-handed focus on race. Won't re-enroll his daughter in the fall, accusing the school of trying to brainwash kids with woke philosophies rather than teaching them how to think on their own. In a scathing 1,700 word letter, Andrew Gutman mailed to 650 families <laughs> a screed since uh, it's gone viral. He blasted the posh all-girls Brearley schools, quote, cowardly and appalling lack of leadership for appeasing an anti-intellectual illiberal mob. So do you want to do the letter instead of reading the article uh, about Where's it? the letter? Is this it? It's the Barry Weiss thing. Scroll down. Yeah. So okay. just pick some highlights from there. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Should we just read the whole thing? Uh, no, it's really yeah. long. How about we just go with uh, yeah. I object. Sure. The paragraph that starts with object. You know, he said, I object to the view that I should be judged by the color of my skin. I cannot tolerate a school that no, not only judges my daughter by the color of her skin, but encourages and instructs her to prejudge others by theirs. By viewing every element of education, every aspect of history, and every facet of society through the lens of skin color and race, we are desecrating the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and utterly violating the movement for which such civil rights leaders believed, fought, and died. I object to the charge of systemic racism in this country and at our school. 
Systemic racism properly understood is segregated schools and separate lunch counters. It is the interning of Japanese and the exterminating of Jews. Systemic racism is unequivocally not a small number of isolated incidences over a period of decades. Ask any girl of any race if they have ever experienced insults from friends, have ever felt slighted by teachers, or have ever suffered the occasional injustice from a school at which they have spent up to 13 years of their life, and you're bound to hear grievances, some petty, some not. We have not had systemic racism against blacks in this country since the civil rights reforms of the 1960s, a period of more than 50 years ago. To state otherwise is a flat-out misrepresentation of our country's history and adds no understanding to any of today's societal issues. If anything, long-standing and widespread policies such as affirmative action point in precisely the opposite direction. He goes on, I object to a definition of systemic racism apparently supported by Brearley that any educational, professional, or societal outcomes where blacks are underrepresented is a prima how do you say that? Prima? Prima facie. Prima facie. Evidence of the aforementioned systemic racism or of white supremacy and oppression. Facile and unsupported beliefs such as these are the popular polar, polar opposite to the intellectual and scientific truth for which Burley claims to stand. Furthermore, I call bullshit on Burley's often stated assertion that the school welcomes and encourages the truly difficult and uncomfortable conversations regarding race and the roots of race, racial discrepancies. All right, I think that's enough. Yeah. So yeah, you can see why it went viral. Um, and he sent the, he pulled his daughter out, sent this letter to 600 other, yeah. other families. The school in Manhattan costs $54,000 a year. So again, this goes to show that the uh, this idea, this critical race theory dogma, is everywhere. It's in public and private schools. Um, yeah, and look, it's not. And we're going to move on to the next thing. But it's not only white parents who are opposing this. Um, I wanted to really talk about this. The Atlantic published this on April third. Um, the title of the article, I recommend you guys check it out, is "The Narrative Is You Can't Get Ahead," in Evanston, Illinois. A black parent and school board candidate takes on a curriculum meant to combat racism. And what this mother says is quite interesting. Uh, her name is Nadana Muboyayi, and she wants to improve the education that public school children, including her son and daughter, receive in Evanston, Illinois, where her mother's family history goes back five generations. She's a candidate of the school board in District 65. Um, they educate children up until eighth, eighth grade. And she wants to close the academic achievement gap separating black and brown students from white ones and help children who need special education and address what she sees as a lack of support for students whose first language isn't English. That agenda would be ultra progressive in many communities. In Evanston, however, Mubayayi is challenging not the right, but the left. In a recent article on the Black Lives Matter at school curriculum in Evanston, I quote Evanston parents who favor diversity, racial equality and inclusiveness, but object to lessons that they believe cross a line into indoctrination. All the parents I interviewed would be quoted only anonymously out of fear that they would be harassed online or even lose their jobs. Wubayayi is 44. Um, you know, you can read the article, it tells you a bit about her background. But I want to read some of the interview here. You know, the interviewer asks, how has Evanston changed? Um, you know, she grew up in the Fifth Ward, a predominantly black neighborhood. Her mom is African-American and very Afrocentric. We had black dolls. We had books about Africa. We had all this imagery and 
that was positive reinforcement for who we were. We did have white friends, but to be honest, our life didn't revolve around white people. We had a kind of cushion of black comfort, so to speak, where we, are, we were allowed to be children and whatever prejudices that might have existed, we weren't aware of them. So I had a very good childhood, you know, and she goes on more about that. Um, what was the problem with those lessons beyond your children not liking them? The interviewer asks. Wubayayi says, my children have always been so proud of who they are. Then, all of a sudden, they started to question themselves because of what they were taught after arriving here. My son has wanted to be a lawyer since he was 11. Then one day he came home and told me, but mommy, there are these systems that put in place that prevent black people from accomplishing anything. That's what they're teaching black kids. That all of this time, for the past 400 years, this is what white people have done to you and your people. The narrative is, you can't get ahead. Of course, I want my children to know about slavery and Jim Crow, but I want it to be balanced out with the rest of the truth. They're not taught about black people who accomplished things in spite of white supremacy or about the black people today who got ahead, built things, achieved things, and those who had opportunities that their ancestors fought for. The interviewer asks, tell me more about the narrative you want to challenge. Mubiyadi says, one day my daughter told me she was taught that all white people are privileged and part of a system of white supremacy. My son said the same thing. So I reached out to my daughter's teacher to find out what exactly was being taught. It was pretty much like she said, that all white people were part of the system of white supremacy and that all white people, because of the color of their skin, had privilege. That's racist. It is. And I said, but that's not true. And the teacher said, well, what do you mean? I have traveled a lot. My father was a university professor and taught in both the United States and Paris, France. And when I visited, I saw white people in public housing. I've been to Belgium and Switzerland and seen very poor white people. I visited other parts of Europe. I lived in Canada for 10 years. There are poor white people in Canada as well. I'm not saying systemic racism doesn't exist, but class exists too. And I don't believe that all white people have privilege. That white person who's living in the Appalachian Mountains, who has no means of or prospect of changing their situation, do they too have privilege compared to me and my kids? I've spent a lot of time in Central Africa because my dad is from the Congo. And some of the propaganda that's being spread right now here in Evanston is similar to some of the divisiveness that took place in Rwanda before the massacre. I'm not saying that is what's going to happen here, but when you start labeling people in a negative manner based on their race or ethnic group, this leads to division and destruction, not finding common ground and positive solutions. Very brave woman. I'm going to continue this because it's really important. So pay attention. He asks, not all white people are racist, but some are. How, would, how should schools handle that? Mubiyayi responds, I am aware that there are parents who are very negative and teach negative things to their children. And if a child does have a thought that is negative, you correct them, but in a positive manner. You don't have to correct them by browbeating everyone and making them ashamed of who they are and telling them that because of how they look, they're, in, they're innately bad. If I were white, which I don't want to be because I love the skin I'm in, I'd be angry if I learned my child was being labeled a racist or a white supremacist or the fruit of white supremacy. And I mean, it's... It goes on, and I recommend you guys go and you read this entire article. It's, it's, it's powerful, you know? This woman is brave, and she's standing up for 
for what she believes is is wrong you know and again it's in the atlantic the article is called yeah. the narrative is you can't get ahead by connor Friedersdorf. Yeah. actually i want to read the end really quick too before we move on you know he asks you were you were willing he says you were willing to talk about all this on record under your own name other parents with concerns about the public school system in evanston were terrified to do so are they overreacting mubiyaya responds they should absolutely be afraid because you know certain elements of our community are threatening to get people fired even if someone just poses a question or expresses a conflicting view you're immediately labeled a part of the problem a white supremacist and people will say find out where they work if you're a black person who says what I say you get attacked too now I'm independent I work for myself so who is going to fire me but what are we telling our children who will one day lead our society when we show them that if you pose a question and if someone doesn't agree with you, maybe they're going to go after your job? Powerful words, man. And, you know, I, I kind of wanted to move on real quick, too, and read a post I made the other day on Instagram and on Facebook that addresses this, this idea of, of victimology and, and teaching black people and other minorities that, that they are victims, right? And then when you have someone like this woman who, you know, stands up to this, they get shouted down. And it's, a lot of the times it's by these, these white liberals, you know? Um, let me pull it up real quick. I'm playing it up. Yeah, so, here it is. You can show it on screen. This one? You know, so I wrote this the other day. It went a little viral. You know, it's kind of spreading around a bit on the Dangerous Rhetoric Instagram. Go follow us. Um, I said, some of the most racist people I've ever seen are the white saviors who think they need to rescue black folks and who think that the way to do so is to constantly tell them that they are victims who need rescuing. And when they encounter a black person who is a strong, independent thinker that does not subscribe to this narrative and does not view themselves as a perpetual victim of society, they shout that black voice down. The same goes for the so-called progressive straight allies that realize I no longer see myself as a victim for being gay and that I don't need their coddling and virtue signaling to get ahead in this world. You're not empowering minorities by perpetuating victimology. You're teaching us to see ourselves as incapable of getting ahead without you holding our hands. It's patronizing and rather insulting. Yeah, no, I'll just make the point that uh, you know when you tell people something and they believe it, whether or not that thing is true, it's going to impact their yeah. outcomes, and then it's going to be like a negative, uh, negative feedback loop. So How they think about themselves. So you tell kids that they can't get ahead, then they will believe that they can't get ahead, and then they will behave as yes. if they can't get ahead. Instead of telling them they have opportunities, mm -hmm. that they if they work hard, they can achieve yes. their dreams. Yes. You know, these are the things that I was told growing up in the '90s. And, you know, I think it's important that we continue to tell children of all races that they can, if they work hard, they will achieve their sure. dreams. And, look, and it's, it's not to say that some people don't have a more difficult start than others. I'm not saying that at all. Um, what I'm saying is that nothing in the universe is free, right? And look, if, if your circumstances were harder and you still overcome them, I think that just makes your, your accomplishment twice as impressive. Is it fair? No, the universe isn't fair. You know, my mother has cerebral palsy. She can't do lots of things that people wish they could do. She is pale and white as a ghost. Are you going to tell me someone like my mother who can't even walk, can't read, has white privilege? 
it's insulting it's insulting like you need to realize the type of resentment you're going to create in people when you eliminate all nuance and you just go back to putting us into these categories that are simplistic you know it's it hurts me man it hurts me because every day my mom struggles with realizing that she can't do the things that she wish she can do that other people can can do and it's not it's not because of her skin color you know it's because she has a condition that she was born with but people just put us in these categories because we're white and you assume that we don't struggle that we don't have issues too that we don't get told no that we don't have doors closed on us you know that that we aren't you know i can't i'm done i'm done i'm getting emotional but you guys get the point and if you don't and if you look at the stuff that we just said and read and you still think we're racist i think maybe you need to address something in yourself you know maybe there's some deep hatred within you that you need to address because it's definitely not within us man do you want to talk about the protests or do you want to wrap it up which ones the anti-lockdown protests yeah, I mean, we could go over that stuff real quick, and then we'll wrap it up from there. But, yeah, so in Germany, there's there's people rising up right now, and I saw an interesting video the other day, but they were chanting at the police, basically telling them, you know, Nazis, go. <laughs> so in the city of Kassel, the police had to use water cannons and pepper spray against protesters rallying over the uh, respiratory virus lockdown. The <laughs> uh, country is, quote-unquote, facing a surge of COVID infections. Uh, so here you can see plenty of people in the crowd, very popular. It's interesting that you know overseas protests are against lockdowns. Um, yeah. You don't see that so much here because All the protests the are based yeah. on race. Like I said, they're distracting us. Um, but you can see some very clever protesters yeah. doing some very clever things. Yep. No masks. Um, and eventually they turn violent when the police try to shut them down. Yeah, well, that tends to happen. But I think, again, I think it's, it's more popular in Europe because they have the direct experience of having their government go overtly totalitarian. Yes. It's very fresh. You know, there are people still alive today who live through it. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, granted, they're very, very old. Um, but there's this sort of idea, you know, they have more of a sense, like they have the antibodies in their social system that uh, are detecting uh, fascism and totalitarianism, and they're activating yeah. against it. Whereas we have had the privilege to not really have had experience that that form of government, you know, at least not in the 20th century. We've had like a light, you know, kind of totalitarianism you know america's a little different it's a little harder to control this you have to manipulate us with propaganda and stuff you can't yeah, just you have to outright, get people to go along with you it can't willingly. just outright shut everything down like they can in some of these other countries um just to give you some examples of a businesses being harassed by inspections in new york the story went viral yeah oh yeah um, shout out to these guys you know yeah so this is uh based on a bunch of businesses so th this the little investigation from a small local community news, this is Long Island News 12. Yeah, this is about they this found is that anarchy 5, 000, tattoos, right? Yeah. yeah. 5,000 well, restaurants have closed during the pandemic and also revealed the same issues weren't exclusive to hospitality. They found 14 city agencies are authorized to perform, quote, virus-related inspections. The Department of Buildings concluded uh, that a lot of these places, um, you know, they're getting, they're basically getting harassed and fined. And, you know, we've shown videos of this before, yeah. but this place was specific. This is Anarchy Tattoos in um, the Bronx. Yeah. And he has an eight-minute video up on his Instagram. Powerful, man. Watch but, it. Yeah, I highly recommend it. Uh, it's very interesting to see the interaction yeah. between this owner and this DOB building this inspector. This is the 16th time they've harassed this tattoo studio. It's one of the most sanitary places you can think of. Like, these people are experts in keeping things sanitary. It's part of their freaking job, you know? 
coming again to hand them another freaking fine. It's it's absurd, man. So yeah, this is basically what's happening. And now, after the story has gone yeah. viral, they have shut down his this the owner's personal and business accounts, both his bank accounts and two of his credit cards. JP Morgan responded that it's because of, quote, an affiliate's decision, that they're not legally obligated to share any information as to why. And he says this is a sneak peek of what's to come for all of us if we don't speak up now. Complete freeze out of society and slavedom. Mm. No man shall buy or sell unless he bear the mark of the yeah. beast. Stand up, please don't let them do this to our children. Look, I highly recommend you guys go to the Anarchy, Stu uh, Anarchy Tattoo Studios Instagram. Watch that video they put up, you know, where he stands up to the city. Watch it share it it's powerful we also i recently invited these guys into the show so hopefully we'll have them on soon when we get interviews and stuff up and i would love to you know talk to them and, and get his story yeah so, if you guys want to see more interviews we're trying to grow the audience here so that we can like sort of justify it so please 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 don't forget to like subscribe yeah. and share this video very important the more of you that you know subscribe the more of you that comment the more of you that like and the more the audience grows the more likely we will be able to get some interesting guests to come on here and, and to talk to us and we want to have it worth their time you know we want to make sure that we're exposing them to an audience where they can tell their stories and you know i have a couple musicians i want to bring on and, and some other interesting thinkers so so again th this is happening all over the world this is from uh the uk and bath and oh, this the guy. <laughs> guy kicked out a uh, politician party. from his politician. pub who was sort of like trying to uh you know advocate for all kinds of coronavirus restrictions and stuff in the uk they're a little bit more stringent than they have been here yeah. the restrictions are a little bit more widespread and the same way in canada but it was great because this guy got up in the politician's face and pushed back on him you want to play, play the audio maybe um, no, we're kind of running out. I yeah. don't want to keep going. All right, well, definitely look this story up. You know, that guy's a brave man. And this is just some, from around the world, anti-lockdown protests. There's a lot of pictures. Uh, these are available. You can just Google. This is from Reuters. Americans, where are you, man? Where are you? Where are the courageous people? Stand up to this stuff, man, before it's too late. Like, all around the world, other people are standing France. up to it. They're resisting California. Where's America? Seriously. London. Where are you guys? You're out there on the streets fighting each other over freaking race and, like, a couple cop shootings that went wrong. Meanwhile, the whole country got locked down. The economy got gutted. The largest transfer Brazil. of wealth in history happened Maryland. over the last year. Why the fuck London. aren't we out there for this stuff? Washington. You know? There's a couple, you know, Maryland. There's sure, a, there's yeah, I know they're, they they're are really not getting any medical because attention. Because our media has polarized the issue into a political one where it's like if you talk about these things, you're automatically labeled a Trump supporter or an alt-right person or that it's a conservative talking point when it's like, no, we should be unifying on these issues. We should all be against this stuff. It's totalitarian. It's, it's destroying the country, man. It's small businesses are, are closing at rapid rates people are freaking killing themselves over this stuff mental health is skyrocketing addiction is skyrocketing it's overdosing what are we doing man putting masks on our children masks on our children man like and this is just a little list of countries that have experienced lockdowns in their duration you can see countries from you know 300 to 366 days or up here 250 to 299 days two weeks to stop the lots spread. of remember countries. that lots of countries remember two weeks to stop the spread and the last thing I want to share with you all is this report that just came out. This is a paper from Stanford scientists. Um, 
from Stanford scientists called Reconciling Estimates of the Global Spread of Infection Fatality Rates. So this basically gives you the infection fatality mm -hmm. rate from around the world, globally averaged, and about it's 0.15%, and that's accounting for 1.5 to 2 billion infections um, up through February of 2020, going back 18 months. And what does that show? It shows that this disease is about as deadly as the seasonal yeah. flu. But what's crazy is the branch Covidians don't seem to want any good news. They seem to reject any good news that you give them. It's almost like you guys want this virus to be as deadly as they told us it was. And then when we give you good news, when we show you that, hey, look, it's not as deadly, maybe we, need, we can lift the mandates and we can go back on with our lives normally, you, you attack us. You, you freak out. You... you you know, come with bur burner accounts and, and insult me on Instagram and stuff. It's insane, man. Yeah, there's a lot of... An it's funny because these are the same people that are telling us to trust the science, to follow the yeah. science, to listen to the experts. Meanwhile, they only listen to the scientists and experts yeah. which sort of confirm their bias. Pure Fauci. Which is literally like, it's anti-science. Like, it's illiberalness. It's this dogma as opposed to actual truth-seeking. Yeah. So we'll leave it there, folks. Yeah, we'll leave it there. Again, don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, drive. On Instagram, follow us on Dangerous Rhetoric. The page is growing very quickly, which is cool. Yep. So, and this will be on YouTube. And our next show will be on Sunday. It will be on our website, www.dangerousrhetoric.com. On that one, we'll talk about a few things that we probably can't talk about on YouTube because we'll, they'll put a strike on our account. But again, we appreciate the support, you know, from the few people who've already subscribed and are following and, and liking things and commenting and engaging with us you know we see you we really do appreciate it and it means a lot to us you know we hope this grows we hope it becomes a, a community of of open discourse of discussing ideas you know of of real conversations so thank you guys so much yes there has to be some ability for people to communicate openly and to playfully entertain ideas without an emotional reaction yeah. and and vicious violent attacks against one be another. brave man be brave stand up speak your mind and that's my phone bye, bye. see ya